0: I must report this. It would be worth my life if I do not report this. It's only until tomorrow and he's going to take it off again. Oh, I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning.
1: This is the CP Shitshow.
0: this week on the cp shit show
1: okay hold on wait 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 what's going on (laughs) jeff
2: jeff get that news music going
1: oh this just in we have a special episode for you kevin tell us about it
0: ladies and gentlemen we're very 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 excited to have our very first podcast guest in house we promised you last week we let you down. We brought him this week. Roe from Browmeister Brewery is in the house. Whoa,
3: woo. How are we doing, guys?
0: So, Ro, we are here. Uh, we wanted to find out a little bit about your brewery, and uh, we've got some really tough questions we want to ask. <laughs> of and, course. Uh, quite
3: interested to find out the background behind the brewery. Yeah, not a problem, guys. First of all, before we get started, I just wanted to uh, say thanks for having me. Oh. I want to... Uh, you know, say thank you. You guys have been supporting us from the beginning there. It's very kind of you to invite me on here, and I appreciate all the help. So uh, to both of you here, I, I really appreciate that.
0: Both
3: of uh, yeah. I'll let you decide who's not uh, <laughs> worthy of that. <laughs> oh, oh. I know he's talking oh. about me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ah, shit.
2: Yeah, so maybe uh, start, uh, Ro, give us a bit about your background and how you got into uh, brewing beer.
3: Yeah, so um, I I was a home brewer uh, for about a decade, I guess, before we opened up the brewery. Um, Just, you know, stuff with friends in the garage, trying all sorts of different things. And then I got more into it and really understood the science of it and and started working on recipe development in that way. Um, Everything sort of clicked in terms of the brewery when I moved to Austria. I was there teaching high school um, and just fell in love with the culture, the styles of beer, um, everything about brewing in Austria. I toured around, met a lot of brewmasters there, toured a lot of breweries, and then just sort of thought to myself, yeah, I want to move back home. I grew up in, in Ottawa there, um, moved back home and bring a little bit of Austria that I loved, a little bit of Germany there that I loved. So figured if I'm going to open a brewery, it should be uh, European, mainly Germany-inspired. Uh,
1: well... We love it, and uh, <laughs> I love to hear your stories. Every time we go in there, great stories of uh, Krampuschnott. Am I pronouncing that yeah, right? The story of Krampuschnott? Yeah. That's more of a Christmas story, though, it's isn't a Krampus it? Krampus
3: story, yeah. Kr- yeah. Krampus. It's, uh, it's an interesting one there. Uh, that, that caught me off guard. So when I first moved to Austria, oh, when was it? It was probably about September of 2013. Uh, Krampus, and the Krampusnacht uh, is December 5th. And what ends up happening in December there on the 5th is, uh, I don't know how to describe it other than complete mayhem. Uh, you have, you have grown-ass men wearing dead animal pelts and carrying a bundle of sticks, and they just chase you through town, hitting you with sticks. And it's some weird celebration, essentially what it is, uh, to the best of my understanding. The Krampus are there to scare children into being good for St. Nicholas, So you have two ends. You have the extremes. You usually have in this Krampuslauf, which is the parade or or the running of the Krampus, you get a St. Nicholas there and he has candy canes and candy and all that. Um, And then the Krampus have sticks that they hit you with. So you got to try and get to (laughs) St. Nicholas and and show that you're good. Um, And if you're not good, essentially the the Krampus will come and, and hit you. so. It must have been, yeah, like first week of December there. I'm sitting in my apartment, and I got a little balcony off of the apartment. It's a studio apartment, and I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden I just hear this shriek. This woman was just losing her mind, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And so I go out on the balcony, and I just see her. She's just sprinting, and she's running full force. And I'm like, well, that's weird, yelling and running. I didn't see anybody behind her. And then all of a sudden Buddy shows up, and he's got this big black pelt, looks like a dead bear, um, and he's got, um, I didn't mention, they also wear these ridiculously terrifying masks, usually of goblins with giant horns, and so this creature is chasing this woman. I, I didn't know what to do, if I should call the cops or or what was going on, so I immediately texted one of my colleagues. I said, what the, what the hell is this? Like, what did I get into? And then he explained it all, and I'm like, that's oh, Cool, but terrifying
0: and weird. And <laughs> yeah, no kidding, yeah. no kidding. I might blame that on the Austrian beer uh, <laughs> part of the whole problem. And you've brought it to Carlton Place now. So what made you pick Carlton Place to put your brewery?
3: Um, well, okay, so the the search for the brewery was anywhere from uh, let's say Metcalf to Arnprior, uh, outside of Ottawa city itself, because, uh, you know, every, land is just so expensive there. Right. Yeah. So in doing the research, and it was about three years of planning before we opened up, um, y- you see the growth of Carleton place and you see the town of Carleton place and the downtown core and, and the lot and with our new trail and the, uh, the recreational trail yep. that sort of cuts through the town there, this lot was just ideal. And so when I did some you know, census research and saw the growth of Carlton Place and then looked at the plans and where it was going, it seemed like a pretty good spot to set up for a long-term project.
0: So what, what made you want to build as opposed to renting? You see a lot of other breweries that want to start up. They just sort of get a spot. And they set up shop. You actually decided to break ground and build your own building.
3: Yeah, the, um, it's a struggle. Um, now because the upfront costs are significantly higher when you're building, you buy the land and you're mm-hmm. not renting from somebody long-term though. It, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to own. Yes. And, um, the biggest, uh, two pieces of advice came from my buddy. He owns a brewery in New Hampshire in Littleton there, um, called Schilling. And, uh, he actually, um, fun fact, used to be a teacher at the same school in Austria. Huh. And we got put in touch through, uh, my boss at the time, the owner of the school, so I went down to Littleton. I picked his brain a bit, and he helped sort of consult during the the building process and all that. And his two pieces of advice were: if you can afford it and if you can make it work, buy the land, buy the building, own it all. And the second piece, which you guys have seen, is he said, "Don't open a kitchen." That uh, was the biggest thing he says. Uh, he has a like a wood-fired pizza kitchen inside, like inside his brewery there, and. He says 90% of his headaches come from the kitchen, 10% from the right. brewery. So if you can avoid it, um, just have a brewery. Focus on what you're good at. Yeah, I
1: guess there's zoning and a whole bunch of crap that goes along with that too, eh? There's a ton. I yeah, mean,
3: anything yeah. from from zoning to quality of food to running a kitchen to overhead to this, that, and the other. Well, you've
1: got food. You've got pretzels. I do have pretzels, <laughs> yeah. And mustard. <laughs> that's right.
3: Hey, it's all about the beer, right? Yeah, that's the goal, right? Exactly. Focus on what mm-hmm. you know. Yeah.
2: Speaking of the beer, how did you how did you find your brewmaster? This is an interesting backstory. To, to yeah,
3: that that, that <laughs> dumb luck. Do you want more than that? It's <laughs> uh, it was the okay. So when I was home brewing, we uh, me and my buddy we would use this online forum called Pro Brewer, and it's one of the biggest forums for home brewing. They have everything from buy sell equipment to recipe ideas, suggestions, troubleshooting, this that. Um. But then they also have a classified section. So what I did is I just posted the job in there, and by chance I got one of the most qualified people I could possibly get respond. And um, he ended up being from America, and so I skyped with him. We interviewed. I said I said to him, I said, "Can you give me thirty minutes of your time for a Skype interview? That's all I need just to see if you'd be a fit." Because I wasn't I wasn't really sure, you know, some guy on a forum if it would work out. After that Skype session, it didn't last for 30 minutes. It was two and a half hours. I just hmm. turned around, closed the computer, and I just I, I said, that's the guy I got to hire. Ah, Amazing. Yeah. His, you said he had a love for German beer. Yeah. His background is quite interesting. He got into brewing, uh, again, kind of dumb luck by chance. He was touring around Germany with his missus, and he got out of a train station, and all he could smell is that malty sweetness when brewing is taking place. And so he had no idea what it was. He never home-brewed. He never did anything. Uh, This is back about 25 years ago. And he followed his nose um, to this brewery. He ended up at the front doors of a brewery, and he said, is that the smell? And he talked to the guys, and they said, yeah, that's brewing. And he was so uh, in love with this (laughs) smell that as soon as he got back home, he started home-brewing, and he home-brewed for a year, and then he went to school for it, and then he got an internship and an apprenticeship and a job in Germany, and then he went back to America and brewed at some pretty big breweries in America.
0: I find uh, I followed my nose like that to uh, bread bakery shops. <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's a great smell. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is. It
3: uh, is. Tell us some of the highlights of your first year. There's, there's been so many. Um, when I first, um, when I first opened up, I didn't know anything about Carlton Place. I grew up in Kanata. It's not far away, but I like I didn't play hockey. I had no reason to come to Carlton Place when I was younger. And so I had no idea what the town feel was like. And a customer that I've actually known forever, but just reconnected with here in town lives just down the street from the brewery. He said, give it about four to six months and you'll see why I haven't left this place. Like what something about Carlton Place. And it's just the people. Like the, the people in town here are absolutely unreal. Like just friendly. It's a small town feel regardless of where you are. And as soon as you move in here, you're part of that town. Like everybody is very accepting, very kind. Biggest highlight has just been who's walked through the door so far. Um, other than that, uh, another little highlight of ours is that we actually won an award for one of our beers um, not that long ago the Ontario Brewing Awards. Uh, Go ahead, ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, it, w- it wasn't, I don't want to make too much of it, but it's really nice to see. Uh, you sort of get acknowledged for the hard work. Yeah, and, I mean,
1: you know that we love the beer, and you obviously do, but when you see the outside world acknowledge it like that, then it means a lot, right?
3: It it, it does, uh, but to be fair, it doesn't mean as much as the people who come into the bar, right? We want to take care of, of the patrons that come in and, and really make it a place that people want to be at and, and for the beer, the atmosphere, whatever. But it is nice when you get professionals who who acknowledge that, yeah, you're doing something right.
0: Especially, yeah, you know, it's in Toronto, it's uh, going, you know, up against a competitive, com- competitive beer uh, companies that you perhaps maybe are wondering, how do I measure up? And when you come out with a with an award, it means a lot.
3: Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice little measuring stick. And then it just sort of gives us more motivation to go and, and keep doing that with all the other beers we make.
1: We as consumers hear a lot about craft brewers that are working together. Do you find that here in town and and uh, do you find that from other local brewers? Oh,
3: absolutely. Um, the biggest, I don't want to sort of single anybody out or forget about anybody. The biggest two help are uh, the boys at Stalwart and the boys at Ashton and anything from, Licensing and paperwork and and town regulations and everything. Uh, Adam from Stalwart's been unreal. Um, And then for getting our brewery set up from uh, suppliers to cleaning... To whatever else, it's Quinn at ashton has been fantastic. Um, That's but great.
1: What what a great culture.
3: It's not. Yeah, it is. But and it's you know, do
1: you you really think he would see you know Coke helping out Pepsi? It's not like that. You know? No, but
3: the way we look at it, and I've learned this very very quickly, but the way we look at it is essentially we're not necessarily competing with each other because when you look at what the boys at Stalwart have compared to what we have, it's very different. Uh, both are, in my opinion, very good beers but they cover a wide range of palate. But essentially, the way we look at it is we're competing against the macro breweries. So Molson Coors, Anheuser-Busch, all those guys. If we can convert people from the Coors Light, the Bud Light, the whatever, the macro beers to craft beer, they're more likely to try all the other craft breweries as well. So we, we look at it not necessarily like competing with each other, but competing against the big guys so that we can convert people from that giant market share that they still have to the smaller independent breweries that are all over this province,
1: do you ever have fear that uh, some of these guys that you know are may, may eventually sell out because i mean it can be it can be a tempting offer when it comes down to it
3: absolutely. I mean some of the numbers that you hear are are ridiculous um, uh, there 's a brewery in San Diego um, several years ago that just got bought well that got bought out several years ago and they sold for i believe a billion dollars that's not the norm but um some of the other breweries you know you, you get tens of millions of dollars dumped at your front door how are you going to say no i i don't have any issue i know some other guys might take issue with selling out and all that but to each their own right like yeah, how, how are you gonna, gonna how are you gonna blame anybody for a decision they make it's not my business somebody wants to drop 10 million dollars on my door i'll all accepted. It's no pretty problems. hard to say no, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, what have been some of the challenges? Um, uh, There's been
3: plenty. Have there? Okay. Yeah, plenty of challenges. Um, everything from uh, the start of the process with uh, redesigning the building to fit on the lot because it's an irregularly shaped lot. So just the construction was one. Uh, dealing with the construction, the installation, uh, the designing of it. Uh, other than that, you know, town regulations, there's a few things in there um, that we've had to sort of work with. Um, but it's, it's uh, maintaining our high level of production. Uh, and I don't mean that necessarily in volume, where we are growing every day, but it's just trying to make sure that the beers we make will sell, that people will like them. And we don't do any test batches. So our test batch, the smallest we do is 2,500 liters. So we trust in our own ability to make 2,500 liters that people will like. And uh, coming up with recipes for that has been, I don't want to say challenging per se, but it, we've had to focus on it. So a quick example is that our darker beers, whether that is the knocked or the Irish Red we had or the Staghead we launched with, have all been slower sellers. So we're learning as we go. Um, the summer beers we had, the Kolsch, the Summerfest, the Meritzen and the Hellas, which we always have, um, those sold very, very well. So you gotta learn what your clients want, what what your customers want. Um that that's trying to stay on top of that has been pretty challenging, but it's been fun and you learn and keep moving on.
1: There's so much more that uh goes on behind the scenes, like as customers would come in the front door, to order a beer, sit down, drink it and we tell you what you should have in the store and of this course. and that, but there, people underestimate how much uh, is really going on back there.
3: It's a full operation, right? Like it's full production. So um, my regular day, yeah, uh, you guys see me behind the bar, but I come in early and I talk with the, the brewer and, and look at our production, look at our recipes, look at where we're going to go. We, we've essentially planned for the next six months. So we have to stay on top of that because beer isn't made overnight um the quickest you can really make it is three weeks our loggers take about six weeks so we have to be thinking at least six weeks in advance but then with seasonals which we'll get to i'm sure um we have to be thinking three months in advance then there's also canning you got to stay on top of and then kegging and then supplying to bars and restaurants so you just got to be on top of everything all the time
0: i was going to ask you about bars and restaurants do you find um Because craft brewing obviously has taken off, there are everybody and their dog's got a craft brewer around the corner. Do you find it harder to get onto local taps, or are are bars now becoming more cognizant of local taps, so they're offering more and it's easier?
3: It was funny. So when I was uh, teaching in in Austria, it was from uh, 2013 to 17. I think it was the summer of 2016. I came home. I went to some bar on Elgin I don't remember which one and I looked at the menu and I remember it distinctly the change in the beer menu it went from the first page being all the macro beers whatever you wanted to get the next summer the front page was all craft breweries and that opened my eyes uh, and really showed me that yeah they are accepting of it but that's mainly because that's what consumers seem to be wanting now um, mm-hmm. the biggest challenge with bars and restaurants is there's limited taps right and so rotating taps is, is quite common. Um, but most bars and restaurants are very open to at least giving you a shot. And if your beer sells, they'll keep you on.
0: And the macro beer's got to be, like, they've got their foot in the door with these these uh, restaurants. Like, I, I'm assuming that there's some kind of, I don't want to say deal, but like that going on. That Because when you go to even a, a bar, a well-known restaurant, they'll have say seven taps. And like you say, there might be a rotating tap for one and the customers might be asking for more craft brewers, but they still, the the, 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 the restaurant still has to have the Molson's mm-hmm. and the Labatt's and the whatever that is, is uh, supplying them.
3: My uh, I don't have uh, experience in running somebody else's bar, but my understanding from all the conversations I've had is that the beer guys were the ones where you would get the most stuff out of. So before all the craft breweries showed up, you would get Molson Coors, you'd get Labatt. And to keep them on tap, they'd give you umbrellas, they'd give you pitchers, they'd give you glassware, they'd give you coasters, they'd do whatever. Golf tournaments. Yeah, exactly, stuff like that. Um, and so obviously, as an owner, uh, I would do the same thing. I would want all that to, uh, to help the business run smoother and to uh, not have to spend as much money on, on those types of things.
0: Well, Ro, I see you brought us some beers to try out, so why don 't we open a couple of beers and you can tell us what you 've brought and what the story is behind each beer
3: Yeah, absolutely all right, so guys, um, I brought a six pack it 's the six we have uh, currently usually it 's four, um, but you know seasonal changes we still have a few cans left of. The summer beers, so I brought all six, we can go through them um, fairly quickly. The first one we got is one of our flagship beers, it's the Beer Garden Blonde, it's a Helles, which essentially is a blonde lager. It, um, it If you're in a beer garden in Munich, this is probably the beer you're going to get, or at least this style. It's very easy drinking, um, it's 5%, it's low on the IBUs, uh, it's crisp, it's tart, it's refreshing, and... Uh, it does seem to be the beer that will convert a lot of those Bud Light drinkers okay, over to craft good. beer. We'll get them. We'll get them. Yeah,
0: that's your uh, award winner, correct?
3: That's actually the one. Yeah, I did win the award. Yeah, actually no. I like Excellent.
2: That yeah, that's that's been one of my favorites since you guys opened. No, I'm a very and, uh, visual
1: kind of person. I love the fact that I can order beer by color at your place. Yeah, so <laughs> You're that, the red one.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and part of that comes from the uh, high school teaching in me, where it's just uh, what's the saying? Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, that's so. Jeff's motto, too. <laughs> <laughs> should be. It's easy, yeah. I live by it. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect.
0: I got to say, yeah, when we go in to visit you, uh, I like to
3: try a few of your new ones, but that is one that I always
0: anchor back to.
3: Well, I'm, I'm I'm, glad it is. Uh, I mean, both of our flagships sell really, really well, but the Blonde, uh, I think, is a little bit better in terms of sales. It seems to be a pretty universal beer for people. It, it, it's just a well-made beer, I think.
2: That's interesting because I have a friend of mine at work that uh, I brought into the brewery there a few weeks back and he hadn't been in the brewery, only lives a few blocks away. Not a huge beer drinker, but uh, that was the one that you recommended to him that he try. I, I mentioned to him too on the way uh, to your brewery that he tried that one too and he really liked it and, and mentioned to me that I think the day after or, or a couple days later he's like, oh, I was going up to the cottage and I swung by Braumeister and picked up a few beers and I'm like, that's awesome. That, was, that made me feel good and it was kind of like, hey, here's a guy that's getting off the off the shit beer bandwagon and onto the onto the good beer bandwagon support the local place you know he's like oh and a couple times he's asked me after work hey you guys uh, plan to swing in there uh, tonight so i'm like <laughs> hey i converted them so uh, or created an alcoholic yeah, but it was community. it was the beer garden blonde that was the you know that's the gateway beer to the that's to exactly the what I was to flavor say. country yep. <laughs> that is your
0: gateway beer right there
1: cool i have a feeling you have some others here
3: i do i do yeah <laughs> Yeah, I figured what we would do is uh, do the flagships first. So the beergarten Blonde and the one that uh, John's pouring right now are two flagship beers. This one is a Märzen, um, which is essentially your traditional Oktoberfest lager. Uh, quick backstory on the style is it's called Märzen because in in German, Marz means March, and so what uh, what they used to do before refrigeration is they would they would brew uh, up to the spring. They weren't allowed to brew. In the summer. And when I say they, I mean Germans uh, with the Reinheitsgebot, the Bavarian Purity Law. And so what they would do is they'd. Sure, okay. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was the Krampus would get it. I'll, I'll, I'll
2: explain it to you later, Jeff.
3: Yeah, thanks, John. Um, and so they would brew it in March and then cellar it away. And then what would happen is it would be ready for consumption around September, October. And so when they did that with the harvest, this was your start of Oktoberfest um the harvest plus this beer uh that's that's how you kicked off the season and so this beer here um it's it's coppery orange in color a little bit more copper i guess um some people say it's a red it's not really a red like a red ale it's it's a nice lager again it's like an amber kind it, of it's kind of like an amber um it's more malty than the blonde it's more fuller bodied you get a little bit of like a nuttiness and a breadiness coming from it it is a little bit higher in in alcohol, it's five point five percent. Again, the IBUs are fairly low. Um, we're trying to go more for the multi, fuller bodied, less hoppy, less bitter beers. That's
0: what I was going to say. I I think that most people um, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, if they're not like true true beer guys, they will gravitate more to the less uh, less hoppy. And uh, I think that it I'd be hard pressed to say that. Anybody who tries your beer wouldn't like them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I have a hard time thinking, come on, come in here, try these beers, they're bloody good. So I got a good story about that. My
2: dad was a lifetime Labatt Blue, uh, Labatt 50, uh, low octane, you know, macro beer drinker. Took him into Rose, I think uh, in the summertime was the first time we were in there. And uh, we've been into the brewery numerous times. He absolutely loves... The Route 21 Marzen, um, every time he comes over, he picks up some, or I, any time I get some, I take them over to him. And this is a this is a guy that was, you know, the watery, the more straw-colored, the more see-through his beer, the better he liked it. Absolutely loves the Route 21 and the Marzen. It's just, you know, probably never been exposed to that type of beer before. And, uh, you know, just, just loves it. Loves coming in. He's, he's got to meet Rose' dad and that. Well, so score it's kind one of like, for the good you, guys. exactly.
3: So yeah, it's, uh, a couple, uh, a couple stories that I find interesting about the Route 21 there. Um, first of all, the name, uh, Route 21 comes from, oh, my own personal experience. When I was again, teaching in Austria every Friday, I'd go with the guys to this one specific beer garden, the Augustiner in Salzburg. And this place is ridiculous. They have 1,500 seats outside. And they have 1,500 seats in, I think, five different halls inside. So you can, at any point, have 3,000 people there. Usually it wasn't 3,000, but it'd still be at least 1,500 to 2,000 people. At the same time, the beauty is this place only made one type of beer. They made this Mertzen-style of beer. So I drank this, like I said, pretty much every Friday for four years. Fell in love with this beer. But then you look around when you're in this place and everybody's drinking the exact same one. It was just a sense of community and, and it was just really, really nice. The second story I have about making our version of the Route 21. Um, I love that beer in Austria. It was fantastic. And I have a buddy who uh, still teaches at the school. And so he comes home. He's from Ottawa. And uh, he comes home every Christmas. And I said to him before I opened up, this would have been uh, January of 2018, I said, can you bring me back some bottles of this beer? I got to get my brewer to try it, and I got to try and not necessarily replicate it, but do it justice in, in the style. So he, he was only able to bring me two bottles. So the first bottle, I I just drank. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Sorry, Sheldon. I <laughs> did, yeah, I did not even think of sharing that. I'm just like, I missed this, so I want it. It's mine. Exactly. The second bottle, here, here's how good uh, our, our brewer is, how our team is here. Uh, we cracked it... <clears throat> at my place and we shared two glasses. So we split the bottle in half and this was again, January of 2018. Um, and we just looked at the color, we tasted it, we smelled it, we saw what it was like, what we sort of wanted to either not necessarily improve on because the beer is fantastic over there, but what, what we wanted in our <laughs> own product. And so without taking any notes, um, Sheldon just sort of uh, tried it, looked at it, smelled it, and then just sort of remembered what it was like and when it came time to brew in July of 2018, before we opened, he made a recipe from scratch that he thought would be that type of beer without having tasted it, without any notes, and he nailed it. Like Ugh. I don't know how he did it, but it, it's phenomenal. It's science. <laughs> it is. It's a <laughs> lot of science. So
0: why do they call your Martson a Route 21?
3: Yeah, I, that's my bad. I, uh, I missed that in the beginning there when I was telling the story. Um, again, on the Fridays when we would go, uh, very quickly the bus route that took me from the school to the beer garden every friday was the 21 bus so at the end of the route 21 i got my Meritson. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so Ro, the next uh, one you you brought up I think is one of my favorite summer uh, beers. It happens to be one of your seasonal beers. Tell us all about it.
3: Yeah, so this one here, um, I could actually pour it for you guys if you want to try this one as well.
1: Oh, it's just like being there. I know, eh?
3: working off hours. Uh, so
2: I can
0: almost smell the
1: pretzels. <laughs>
0: here you go, John. Yeah, can I get a uh, pretzel with uh, Mrs. McGarrigle's
3: mustard, please? My own branded mustard. Oh, it's okay. It's Mrs. McGarrigle's. <laughs> Made with our Route 21, actually. Oh, merchandising. Oh, here yeah, we go. Exactly. Nice. Actually, it, that is a nice one. That's from uh, Tasha's table in Lanark here, a small farm. And okay. they actually use okay. the Route 21 to make uh, the mustard. Don't
2: worry about uh, too many product uh, sponsors. We're all about hooring ourselves out here on yeah. the CP shit show, <laughs> so
3: we can uh, plug any and all that you want. I'm hoping you just you guys just get a bunch of free stuff from all these people. Yeah.
0: So, we got, so, so far we got sweet so far. FA. Yeah, well, you're right. the you're <laughs> the only one who's come through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so this, yeah, is, so a, the f- this yeah. is a uh, Rheinwasser.
3: Yeah, or the Rheinwasser. Rheinwasser. Uh, come R-Vasser. on, speak Slanckvich. So Uh, As long as you don't know what the Rhine looks like, it translates to Rhine water (laughs) and one of the most heavily trafficked rivers in Germany there. It's not really great, but uh, it is a Kolsch, comes from Cologne. Um, Kolsch um, beers are much like champagne, and if they don't come from a radius around Cologne, you can't call them a Kolsch. So if you'll see on ours, we call it a Kolsch style ale, uh, just to follow suit with that. Um, This one is, is one of our lighter offerings. And uh, very low on the IBUs, but this one is nice in that it has a nice dry finish to it. Um, it's, it's very easy drinking, perfect for the summer. It's very good patio beer. It is a, an excellent patio beer, but it's also one of the most requested beers. That's why it was the first uh, sort of repeat that we've had. We launched with it last year, and then this summer we had to bring it out just because every week I'd at least get five to six people saying, like, when are you bringing it back, when are you bringing it back? And so. Um, that's what we did. It's just a, it's a very nice crushable beer. Um, but again, full flavored, um, and you can see the color it's straw colored. It's, it's very clear. It's a light summer beer.
2: Like we called it uh, back in the day, lawnmower beers. Yes, exactly. For pushing the mower
3: or driving on the mower.
0: (laughs) It's a great beer. It's got a really nice finish. Like it's uh, it's got a lot of flavor and then a, a very crisp finish at the end.
3: That's yeah. That's the that's the finish we've been trying on all our beers. We're trying to make them smooth, and uh, the goal is that while they can have uh, a slight lingering finish to them, the sip will finish, so that when you are taking extra sips or your next sips or your uh, you want to keep drinking the beer, it's not the flavors building on each other like the previous sip. It's the same sip over and over again.
1: Good God, there's a science to this so much to learn <laughs> it reminds
3: me of those old
1: commercials from
3: the
2: ni- 80s and 90s there where they're like great taste and no no aftertaste it's like beer's supposed to have an aftertaste like unless it's made with like 92 not a miller light no yeah. exactly it's like that's not a yeah. that's not a highlight of your beer that it has no aftertaste that's that's not good so yeah like you say the the fact that it follows through on on each sip and you know it's pleasurable the only reason you wouldn't want aftertaste is if it
1: tastes awful well,
2: so
3: a, yeah all right, so up next uh, row, what have we got? We have uh husseria pills, it's our Pilsner. it's our first Pilsner we've done. um it's a very traditional german style <laughs> You yeah, right over there, John. <laughs> It's all Uh, right. I will uh, suck it out of my pants
2: because
1: it's not because it's not television. John just poured the beer all over himself. Uh,
3: it's a very traditional mm, mid to northern style German pilsner. Um, in that you do taste the hops, you do get a little bit of bitterness in it. But what we did to put our own spin on it is we actually uh flew over some hops from Poland, and there's three different types of hops in there. One, um, is very, very common. You'd find it in most Polish beers, the Marinka hops. The names of the other two escaped me because uh, we have a contact over in Poland who's also a brewer and, and, and get in touch with them. Uh, we just asked, what are some craft brewing hops that aren't that common? And so he gave us these two. So we flew them over. Um, we got a shipment of them. So there's three uh, different types of Polish hops. And what it does is it gives you a very interesting, uh, interesting flavor. You get a little bit of, uh, I get at least a little bit of tropical fruit. Um, And if you really think about it and focus on it, I've had every descriptor from pineapple to kiwi to lemon, lime, um, all sorts. But then there's also like a grassiness that comes through, which is actually quite nice. Um, A little bit of citrus, but not grapefruit necessarily. Again, I guess that's more going back to the lime and the lemon. But like all our beers while you do get a lot of flavors they're pretty subtle and they're all well balanced it's nothing that overpowers it so if you like pilsners uh, which john apparently does uh i think you would probably like this one too it's it, it's fairly traditional with our own little spin
2: yeah this has been uh one of my favorite beers that you guys have had probably my favorite beer that you've released um pilsner is a uh, well-made pilsner is my absolute favorite style of beer um and there's so few breweries that do it really well. So I was, I figured you guys would do a good job of you it. You were but pretty. I was. Spe- I was, I was a skeptical. little nervous. I Not skeptical. I was nervous. I'm like, oh, please, please, you Piece guys have done snob. everything <laughs> just so well so far that like this is my all time favorite style. I hope you guys. down. Don't down. burn my stage. <laughs> did not let down. This is a fantastic beer. I love it. Everything down to the. You know, the tan color. My basement in Ashton used to be this color of the can, <laughs> which is awesome. The can labels now are textured, so you don't slip more so than these ones. And can go into uh, shrink wrapping versus stickers later on. But um, I, I absolutely love this beer. And uh, Do you like it, John? No, I absolutely <laughs> love it.
0: I uh, I, I uh, like your descriptors, Ro, because that's... Uh, what I found is I, I wasn't sure until you you mentioned it, but I do find there's a lemony to it, but there's a grassy aftertaste in a good way. Um, you know, it, uh, there's been other beers that I've tried that have a grassy aftertaste, and it's not in a good way. It feels like you're drinking lawnmower. Clippings. It's just too much, right? But yeah. yeah, but uh, and that's I think we've still got a couple left to try, but I think broadly that's what I really appreciate about appreciate about your brewery. Is that is what that, you appreciate?s About that's me? A, that exactly what I appreciates about his brewery, is that all of the flavors are there, but they're not in your face. They're just subtle, and they they hang around just long enough, like so, a good guest.
3: <laughs> is, it, it. is that my yeah? Oh, okay. Just, Wait, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that my cue or? no? We like so we don't add anything other than the four ingredients. So you can make thousands of different styles of beers with yeast water hops and malt so when i say flavors like this we're not adding uh like lemon or grass or anything to the boil there it's just figuring out what the ingredients give you and then try and balance those with the other remaining ingredients
0: right and there's some and there's some breweries that do it well and of course yourself and there's some breweries that don't do it well and and we've done a few uh brewery reviews and uh, we've we've talked about it honestly we've, we most of them we do like but there are some that they they talk about in the descriptors of all this stuff you're supposed to get out of it and you don't and then there's others that you know that are completely overpowering of, of one particular thing the ones we've tried so far I find are really well balanced we've talked about that many times it's the balance yeah
2: that's funny it's I was just kept beat me to it by one second there the balance is the big thing and that's you know we've we've done a lot of IPAs around here, and the the I think the Mad Tom as an example from Muskoka yep. was the one where we find the hop flavor, the bitterness, and the aroma are balanced so well with the malt it makes it a fantastic IPA. Where some of the other ones that we've that we've brewed, it's it tastes like a hop tea. That malt was like an afterthought. There's just hops out of control, and there's no there's no thought to balance at all. Like every one of your beers. That we've had so far tonight and and the other ones that we've had we'll get to tonight that i think we're all pretty well in agreement here um that the balance is the key to, to you guys is is to make a well-made beer that that hits all the check boxes not just oh you like hops here's one that's hopped up the ass so you like malt here's one that's super dark and doesn't have anything else going on so it's that's all oh, the balance is is so key to a really good beer in it and you can just tell from tasting the various ones that you guys have that uh, that's a huge component that you guys want to do that right and you 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 certainly have hit all those check boxes
3: appreciate hearing that uh the thing that when you mentioned all the hoppiness and and that the thing to remember too is that craft brewing in canada on this scale and with this volume of craft breweries um is fairly young it's fairly new um and there was a trend there might still be I'm not I think I'm seeing less of it now but there was a little bit of a time there where it was let's see how hoppy we can make the beer yeah I've heard
1: of that the uh, kind of an experimental period really uh, yeah
3: yeah pretty much but it turned kind of into like a competition like we want to make the hoppiest beer we want to put the most hops into it the thing to always remember is that the IBU scale is it starts from zero and it can go as high as you can calculate it. It's essentially a measurement of how much hop content is in the beer. Um, After 100, maybe 110 on that scale, the human palate can't register anymore. So anything higher than that is essentially meaningless, right? Um, All our beers, like you've seen, are around 20, 30 uh, at most. I think the highest we've done is about 34. But the Guinness Book of World Record um, for IBUs is 2,500. Holy Good God. Yeah. It's just a, a, a piece of hops that you're uh, chewing, I guess. Even <laughs> even I don't know how they did it because even if you did that it wouldn't be twenty five hundred. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's funny because that you mentioned that too, because this pills um, has an IBU of twenty eight and you can taste it in the finish. You can smell it in the in the thing. So you don't need to hop the crap out of things to make them count if there's if they're balanced. But if that's the only thing that your beer has going for it is hops. You know, I I don't know. I I like hoppy beers. I like IPAs that are well-made and well-balanced, but yeah, this hop tea competition, as Jeff mentioned, that's like who can get the biggest bang for the buck. Yeah, count me out.
0: I find the same thing with the the Sours. They do the same Mm, thing with a competition it seems to be see how much funk we can put in this mm-hmm. sour. And some of them are just, to me are absolutely disgusting, <laughs> but they're you know, it's, it's like you say, it's a competition yeah. and I don't know why we, you'd want to get
3: into that. But the you. other, well, you want to get into it because there is a market for it.
0: Yeah. Right. There Those are people, with who, bad ballots. Is <laughs> I'm not saying bad <laughs> ballots. Everyone's different,
3: but there are, there are people who love extremely hoppy or extremely sour, funky beers. Right. And so there is a market for it. our, our Focus. Not in Carlton, please. No, well, no, not a, not, a,
1: not in this podcast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh, this is, uh, along with the Kolsch, the Rheinwasser there, we had another summer seasonal. This was a summer fest. This one is uh, is fairly unique. Um, and I like this one when the brewer came. Yeah, help yourself. guys, fill it up? Sure. Um, When when the brewer came to me and, and said, I have a good idea for a summer beer, I said, okay, he goes, it's going to have a little bit of orange notes. And I was, you know, I was questioning it. I don't know what that meant. Like, was it going to be like a Rattler? Or was it w- what exactly he wanted to do? But essentially, there's this Bavarian hop called the uh, Mandarina hop. And it's named as such because of the Mandarin flavor it gives off. mm mm-hmm. So what we did, and you can, John, yeah, you could probably give it a smell, and you might be able to get a little bit of orange, a little bit of citrus on the nose. Um, But essentially what we did is we brewed with just one hop, just this mandarina hop. It's (laughs) about 30 IBUs, so it's, again, up there for us. Um, But we dry hopped it as well. So what that does is after the beer is already done, we run it through and just let it sort of sit there with extra hops. You don't get any additional bitterness on the palate, at least you shouldn't. And on the finish, you should taste a little bit more. Again, when it's our beers, it's not going to stand out. It's not going to punch you in the face or anything. But uh, you should get a little bit of an orange, orange taste coming through, and it was perfect for summer. Um, so, is
0: that when you uh, when you hear about a dry hopped beer, that's what it is? Is
3: they yeah. So when you're when you're brewing, you you add hops at the boil stage, and that's where you achieve your bitterness. Uh, depending on when you put it in the boil, is is when in the sip we find you would get the hops. So if it's at the beginning of the boil, at the beginning of the sip, uh-huh. if it's at the middle of the boil, middle of the sip, if it's at the end, it'll be a lingering taste. So Lingerness. We, oh, lingerness, exactly. <laughs> we, uh, we brewed this one with the mandarina hops, but then once it was done fermenting and sitting in the fermenter, we added a bunch more of these hops just to sit in it, and it sort of soaked it up. Um, and like I said, it won't do much for the flavor. Uh, it'll add a little bit, but not much. It's more so for the nose, the aroma, and then a little bit on the finish. It's kind of like John at the podcast here. Just kind of... Shows up at the end? Yeah, it doesn't (laughs) doesn't do much
0: for the podcast, just kind of... But he's there, he's soaking it up.
1: What'd you do to deserve that, Uh John?
0: How much time have you got? (laughs) No, this is, uh, I, I do, uh, you do smell the uh, the mandarin orange. Uh, I've had a few beers in this glass, so it's a little harder yeah, to pick well, up. Yeah, it would be. But uh, I do, uh, and, and this one I do find has a bit more of a hoppier finish, for yep. sure. Yeah,
3: you would get that with this one. Uh, this one, and uh, what do we got here? The Pilsner probably would be the most hop forward, without necessarily even being hop forward, the the hoppier beers we have. Um, and even then, you guys have tasted them. They're not anything no. crazy.
2: This was a good beer in the summer. I didn't, uh, excuse me, I didn't have as much of this as the other beers, but uh, yeah, it's nice to revisit this one again and uh, remember those uh, days on the patio
0: there. So I was going to ask you a question. I'm sort of doubling back on yeah, something here. Ahead. So we've talked about the Beer Garden Blonde. Uh story behind the name is it's uh, typically uh, the beer you're going to get in a beer garden. Yep. The, the Rhinewasser. It's the Rhin- Water, the, yep, the river. Uh, Route 21, we know your bus story. Hus- we never did ask uh, Hussaria pills no, and Summerfest.
3: Yeah, okay. Summerfest is simple. Well, that's just a summer beer. We okay. were actually, I was going to call it summer beer, uh, spelt all in German. But, you know, it's a fest beer. It's a little bit stronger. It's 5.5%. It's uh, a little bit darker than the blondes. Uh, it's kind of an orange color. I was going to say, I see an orange. Yeah, and... Um, so we just that's a that's a generic name just Summerfest. okay um but the husaria pills is a little interesting this one came to me from our brewer's son who uh has an affinity for poland uh he he just loves the country he studied it they visited it he's he's really into polish history and the hussars are a very proud part of poland they are a medieval army and they're essentially winged warriors winged cavalry and you can see on the can label at the bottom uh you'll have a winged fighter and essentially what it is is giant wings that could be about eight feet tall off of these guys on horses and they would ride into battle like this and to this day um they have reenactments of them so mm-hmm. to call it a Hussaria pills was to sort of pay a homage, homage. Uh,
2: don't, don't let jeff try it homage <laughs> uh, homage
3: <Yeah>. um <laughs> And uh, and just uh, sort of pay tribute to them.
0: It's uh, okay how you pronounce things. On the beer uh, review, we make up words as we go, no, like lingerness perfect. and stuff like that. Well, so we can have homage. We can have whatever we want. <laughs> some,
1: some of us make up words. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's excellent.
0: I, I love hearing the stories uh, behind this, because I know you do put a lot of thought, no, not only in the beer, but you put a lot of thought in the labeling, as you had mentioned, in the naming and stuff like that. So, Yeah, it,
3: it, a, a lot of them are personal uh, experiences, like the Route 21, the beer garden sitting there, the Rhine Vosser, we, I, I've been to Cologne, loved sitting on the Rhine and walking around there and seeing the, the cathedral right on the water there. Um, the Husaria pills, that, that wasn't one of mine, but I'm, I'm proud of it. And we actually, again, our friend in Poland that helped us with the hops there, when he saw the label, he almost died. He loved it. He thought it was just so nice of us to do that. So, um, it, it, it was nice. I think John's going to uh, wallpaper his basement in the
0: Husaria pills, uh, labels. <laughs> I might, yeah.
2: I might. I'll I like see. the color. I like the, now I know the backstory on the, on the dude, on the, on the label. And, uh, yeah. Might might start that this weekend.
0: So, so you've got up next, you've got the avant-gardist uh, French red ale.
1: Holy shit, there's more? Yeah, there's and the there's last one. one more. Oh, my God. It's, Tell
0: me the story
3: behind the avant-gardist name.
0: This is
1: beer Christmas. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> a month early. Um, avant-gardist uh, French red ale. Okay. Uh, the, the name translates to trendsetter, and that's uh, not necessarily a play on on our ego, even though mine's fairly large. It is uh Can confirm. <laughs> it's more so uh, the fact that you don't see a French yeast that often. Okay. So we wanted to make it a darker beer for the fall weather, and winter came early for us here, so it actually works out really well. Um, this one's a red ale, but we had the Irish Red, and this isn't similar to that. Uh, they are under the same category, but we gave it a French name because we used a French yeast. And uh, Trendsetter because, um, well, I haven't seen one yet. So I'm not saying uh, we're the first to do it, but um, it's uh, kind of a play on words. Yeah. So um, it is one of your seasonal ones, right? It is, yeah. So aside from the Route 21 and the Beer Garden Blonde, the other four we've had tonight here are, uh, are all seasonals. And usually what we do is we only have four on tap, and we rotate the seasonal to every... Uh, let's say, two to three months and keep things fresh that way. But the, the Blonde and the, the Meritzen are always on tap. Excellent. Well, let's get this one uh, opened up. We'll give it a try. <laughs> All right. So the last beer we have out of the six here is our uh, our new seasonal, along with the Husseria Pils. It's the Avant Um, it's uh, a pretty unique beer because of that French yeast I was talking about it changed dramatically throughout the brewing process and the fermentation process when I first tasted it when it was done it was very very strong with fruit flavor and then as it sat there like we age all our beers um, it sort of dissipated a bit and sort of mellowed out a bit and it became quite nice what I get on it and I don't know if you guys taste the same Uh, It starts off with stone fruit, like apricot and peach on my palate, and then I'll get a little bit of the hop flavors. And then it actually finishes with a little bit of a caramel, I don't want to say sweetness, but a little bit of a caramel finish on it. Um, For 5.8%, it is very smooth. Um, And it seems to be a pretty big hit, considering it is fairly unique. Um, Not a lot of people, uh, sorry, to word it better, a lot of people walk into the bar and say, what makes it French? Um, and all I can say is the yeast, but not a lot of people are familiar with that. So
0: I think what makes it French is it starts off fruity and then mellows out. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: I thought it was the pink can and the French words on
0: it. But of course. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Green peppers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Could have been white, you know, the can for surrendering.
2: It's funny that you say that, that it has the caramel finish to it, because I find now when I drink it, that final sort of flavor i find it's a lot like the Row 21 after you swallow it god that sounds awful um <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean it, yeah, it's yeah, got they, that caramelly kind of thick um full-bodied flavor when you when you taste it and, and finish it yeah you, you
3: um, do get so, you do get the same finish or not the same but a similar finish a similar, with the R- yeah. root 21 you do get that caramel malt sort of finish with it and that's that's what we get out of the french ale it's interesting because my wife's favorite
0: uh at your uh, your brewery is the route 21 and when you introduce the seasonal the avant-garde east this is now her new favorite so finding that there's similarities between the two yeah, uh, shows
1: that well, same. You, can, you can have more than one best friend
3: yeah. well
0: <laughs> no, i've got six best friends tonight <laughs> <laughs> so Ro, thank you very much for coming in bringing six uh, beers uh to the podcast we really enjoyed talking to you about uh your brewery uh listening to the stories and uh and sampling your beers um could you tell us a little bit about where to find you and uh, i want to invite everybody to uh come down and and try these beers his pretzels and his homemade mustard
3: (laughs) i appreciate it thanks for having me on uh yeah we're located uh in carlton place 19 moore street Uh, right next to the grand hotel there right before bridge street starts Uh, we have a tap room where you can come in and grab a pint or two Um, we also have our fridge which is the only place as of right now where you can actually get cans to go and we have all these beers these six currently available Um, but in the next couple weeks we will probably be down to uh, the four without the summer fest and the kolsch as that season's wrapping up
0: So, Ro, do you have any upcoming events at your uh, brewery?
3: Yeah, we do. We uh, we do a monthly trivia night, um, which has turned out to be a a lot of fun. Uh, Usually fills the house. People have a good time. The trivia is fairly secondary to just hanging out and having a good time, having a few laughs and some beers. Uh, Our next one is going to be on December 18th. A local guy in town hosts the trivia, and he's fantastic uh, at coming up with questions, and everybody seems to have a good time at that.
2: Yeah, I, I popped in there one night, the night that you released the uh, avant garde and the and the pills, because I wanted a crack at the pills. And I John didn't realize... was camping out like a friggin' yeah. a rush concert. In the
0: <laughs>
2: I didn't realize it was trivia night too, and I kind of snuck in the back door and hung out with uh, your dad in the back <laughs> corner there and tried the pills while the uh, while the uh, trivia night was going on. I was really surprised that the place was packed. People were having fun, and it was. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I've never been to a trivia night before, but uh, I definitely, I think, might uh, take a tour out there on the 18th because it was a lot of fun. It was. Everybody seemed like they were having a good time, and uh, and uh, you know, any place that you're going to go, and the activity includes uh, excellent beer. Is hey, it's going to
1: be a good night. And you were telling us off the air that uh, you do have. A version of food coming in.
3: Yeah, so uh, Kevin repeatedly mentioned the pretzels and mustard. But in the spring, we're going to uh, partner up there with the Jolly Hog, um, a very popular food truck here in town. The bright pink one, if you've been in town, you've probably seen it. Uh, he has excellent food. Fantastic. He's a proper trained chef. Um, everything he does is unbelievable. And so we're going to get him to park on the lot there so we have more food options available. But in the meantime, um, Matt from the Jolly Hog is going to open up a pop-up kitchen in the tap room. And we'll probably be doing these on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, and hopefully Sundays as well. And uh, we'll have some more food options available for everybody, along with Kevin's Pretzels and Mustard. Right on. Perfect.
2: Are they officially called Kevin's Pretzels and Mustard? Because I don't think that's a good marketing plan. (laughs) They are now. Yeah. <laughs> Better than shitshow pretzels and mustard. That would not be good.
0: <laughs> well, once again, Ro, thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come in and talk to three guys on the uh, podcast. Right. And uh, appreciate it. And we'll see you on the ice.
3: Yeah, so- thank you very much, guys. <laughs>
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the CP Shit Show. You know, it's nice to have something different for a change. Kind of like, I don't know, having popcorn for breakfast or driving your car to work backwards. We do like to hear the sound of our own voices, but it was good to hear the Brownmeister story, wasn't it? Make sure you keep tuning in. We got lots of great episodes to follow. Now, the other two idiots are not here right now because it's late at night and they're probably getting their beauty rest. God knows they need it. Anyways, thank you for helping us reach our one thousandth listen just recently. Even though there's lots of beer and sometimes we get a little, as Johnny says, shit mixed doing the podcast, it's as Johnny says, a fuck ton of work. But you know what? We're having a crazy good old time doing it, and we are glad you guys are along for the ride. So see you next time, CP.